Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Anita's birthday on Thursday, where is she? Oh, she's not here, she's on campus. Um, so, Nosisa bought some cake, and then we all got together and we had some cake, it was lovely. Um, you guys never had any, and now I'm talking about it, and you're thinking, oh, he's talking about cake in the morning. <laughs> but I digress. Um, so we all finished eating. We're using little side plates, and then I come, and I take all these side plates, thinking I'm going to go wash them. And then in the kitchen, I find Sbo, who's already washing, like, one, um, I can't remember what he was washing. Um, so he says, okay, I'll, I'll wash these. So I'm thinking all the guys over there were cheering because I took all their plates and they thought I was going to wash them. <laughs> and then I get here and Small says he'll wash all of them. So I'm thinking inside, <laughs> all these guys know that I'm going to wash these. So I've gotten all the plates already. They were cheering. They were happy. Um, so, so I say this to Spo, I'm like, oh, okay, like when he's about to finish washing the dishes. So I'm like, you know that all these guys um, on the other side think I'm the one who washed these, these, these dishes. And then without missing a beat, he was like, I don't care. God knows that it was me. <laughs> and, and as funny as that was, um, but it really just hit me that he really gets it, that he really gets that it's not really about what people are looking at, it's not really about what other people think is happening, because I was there and I was taking all the glory, until now, which now I've just like told on myself, so I've got no more glory, so, (laughs) but I mean, I took all the glory, but he was like, "I I don't care. It's not really about what people think or what people see, but it's about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, and, and that's really what I'm going to be hitting at this morning, that we, we need to not do things so that other people can see us or so that we can have some glory for them, but that, we can, that God can be glorified. Um, story of Jonah, I'm sure we're all familiar with it, but I'll go through it very quickly. Um, the book starts with God telling Jonah that he needs to go. It says he needs to go to Nineveh. And then the very next chapter, it says Jonah tried to flee from the presence of God and he went to Tarshish. So he went to Tarshish and, and he was supposed to go to Nineveh. So he got a boat, got on a boat, and as he's on this boat, there's a mighty storm that comes and during the storm, the guys are religious, so they're like, eh, 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 there's something that we've done against God, so we need to pray. Everyone, wake up. Who's, who's at fault here? They wake up Jonah. Jonah realizes it's him, you know, and, and then, and then when, when, when they all know that it's him, they ask him, hey, man, so what do we need to do for this to stop because we're going to die? And Jonah says, um, guys, throw me out. <laughs> Because he realizes that he's at fault. But these guys, being good people, they're like, ah, ah, we're not going to throw you out. We're going to try. And they try to sail, but then they, they realize, no, 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 this thing is getting worse. So they're like, okay, God, we're so sorry. 
And then Jonah is there screaming, help, help. <laughs> um, and then God sends a, a, a big, great fish um, for him, and that it takes him. And while he's in there, he's terrified, and he starts praying. Um, so now he realizes that, oh, sharks, I've messed up. I was supposed to be going this way, but I chose to go this way. You know, and then he starts praying, and God being gracious, he hears him. And then when the great fish lets him out again, his first place that he goes to is Nineveh, where he's supposed to go in the first place. And what happens there is he just preaches a one-liner. says, in 40 days, this city will be overthrown. It will be destroyed. It will be no more. And then the entire city, like a whole city, guys, the entire city starts to repent. They start to fast. They start to seek after God's heart. And that's the impact that one man can have. And I'd like to zoom in on the story and focus on three entities. That is God, Jonah, and the Ninevites. God realized that there was a problem. He realized that the Ninevites were were sinning willfully. And he realized that he loves them and he doesn't want any to perish. And he realized that everyone needs to get to salvation. Everyone needs to be saved. And because as a father, he would move mountains for his children. So his heart was stirred and his love was provoked. And he was like, you know what? I know what they're doing but, and I know where it ends up. I know where it leads. I know how the story ends. So I need to intervene. I need to do something. Enter Jonah, the man of the moment, God's plan. God tells him, Jonah, this is my heart. I need you to go and do this for me. What does Jonah do? (laughs) Jonah, who knows his purpose, he knows he's a prophet, says, you know what? (laughs) And easy. For all those who don't know, it means I'm, I'm not coming. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so Jonah had gotten a bit comfortable with God. He'd gotten a bit comfortable with who he was and what he was supposed to do. And he thought now he was the master of his own destiny. He thought he could tweak a little bit here and he could tweak a little bit there. And he could do whatever he, he saw fit. And then there's the Ninevites who are living willfully in sin and without revelation of what's to come. But Jonah had a response to God. And when his ha- God's hand was heavy on him and his correction and his rebuke because of love, he turned and he did what he was supposed to do. And Ninevites also, when they heard what was in the heart of God, their, their, their instant reaction was to change. This word repentance is metanoia in the Greek, and it means to change your mind. To change your mind. To change your paradigm, to change the, things, the way that you think. So this morning, that's what I'm going to call you to. I need that response. That we change our mind about what matters. We change our mind about what we're living in and align with God's heart. I need to commit to God and live for his glory. Can we just pray? 
Father God, I thank you that your word is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, that it doesn't come back void. Lord, I thank you that today, as we're getting into your word, Father God, that you will convict us with love. And that, Father God, we will walk closer with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we've spoken about heaven um, within the last couple of weeks, and we, we've spoken about how we will actually get new bodies, and that we will live for eternity, and that if we give our lives to Christ, and we, and, 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 and we're justified by faith, then that is our end. And last week we were talking about hell, that, you know what, if we don't commit to God, then unfortunately what we will do is we will spend an eternity without God. Look, the punishment here is really that we will spend eternity without God. The punishment is not this all other torture and all these other things that we talk about. But then I can imagine that if you don't really like God, then for you that's not really a punishment to be away from Him. And this morning, I pray that your heart will be changed if that's you. If you're thinking, you know what, I don't really think this God thing matters. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who, should, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And rose again. For the love of Christ compels us that if one died for all, then all died. What is the scripture talking about? It's talking about the fact that God is so good. This God that I was talking about um, in the story of Jonah, he is still the same today. And his heart is that we may know him. His heart is that we may be aligned with him. His heart may be that we live according to the purpose that he created us for. He's a good father. He's so good. He knows better than we could ever know, even for ourselves. So Wayne has also spoken about the great white throne judgment. Um, If you weren't here, I'll just explain it a bit. Um, There will be two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment which is the first judgment that we will all face. And in this judgment, um, the, the purpose is, is just one. is to determine, have you committed your life to Christ or have you not? Have you received this free gift that God has given you? And, why, and Jesus came so that we could have that free gift, so that we could get through this judgment and get into eternity with him. And that we could live in those new bodies. And that we would live gloriously. So in the great white throne of judgment, the setting is like this. Where Jonah is, sorry, where the Ninevites are sitting there and death is impending. And they need to make a choice. And I pray today that if you've never given your life to Christ, that you will choose this decision. That you will say, you know what, God, I realize that death is coming for me if I, if, if I do not align myself right with you. If I do not commit myself to you. That I do not want to live an eternity away from you. 
and cold and darkness. We've all seen, we've all seen orphans, especially those who live on the street. It's a sad situation. And that's how we look if we're away from our Father. Sometimes we don't realize it, but that's really our reality. If we are away from God, if we're not really committed to Him, if we're not living according to the way that He has made us to live, then we are like those orphans that you will see on the street and take pity on them. I pray this morning that you will take pity on yourself and you will commit your life to Him. That you will once again say, My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 15 carries on. Um, It says that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. So what happens in the great white throne of judgment is that we are justified by faith. And what that means is we just need to receive the work of Christ. Him dying on the cross and Him giving of His life for us and Him taking our sin. That's all we need to do. We need to say, Lord, I believe in You and I will, I believe in You and the work that You have done. So that's all that you need to do over there. But then now he's adding another dimension. It's saying that those who live, who should live no longer for themselves, um, but for him who died for them and rose again. So now he's, he, the, the scripture is, is, is opening another dimension. And this leads us into the second judgment that we'll talk about. And that's the judgment seat of Christ. And this judgment is for those who have already committed their lives to Christ. And in this judgment, we will be, all our works here on earth will be judged. And everything that we did, everything that we were supposed to do, everything we didn't do, that we were supposed to do, all of that will be scrutinized and will be put under the fire. So now it, it opens another dimension that all I need to do is not only submit myself under a justification by faith. But I also need to be commended for faithfulness. That there's certain things that I need to do in this new life that Christ has now given me. That I should no longer live for my own glory, but I should live for His glory. Tom Jones says this, he says, I wonder if the greatest tragedy of life is not the sin we commit, but the life we fail to live. But the life we fail to live. We're not called into sin management. We're not called into just taking care of this thing. There's a life that God has purposed for us to live, and we need to live that life. Matthew 7 verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. So there is an expectation from us, not only to just receive God and to just take what he has given to us, but there is an expectation for us to live for his glory. To do his will. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, there are no crown wearers in heaven who were not cross 
bearers here below. There are no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross bearers here below. What that means is, the scripture was talking about there was one who died and then all died. That means if he rose, then all of us rise again with him in glory. So now if he was carrying a cross here on earth, then what are we doing? We are carrying the cross because in heaven, that is where the crowns of rewards come in. And I really want to go through the scriptures here and really make the point that we all really understand that we're not just called to just live just for ourselves, but God has called us for a purpose and he wants us to live for eternity. He wants us to live so that we can get rewards on heaven. First Corinthians 3 verse 12. A bit further down, Darren. First Corinthians three verse twelve says, "If now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. So what does this mean? This means that in the second judgment that we will come in and then all the works that we did or didn't do will be judged by fire and some of us will receive a full reward and some of us will go there suffering loss and will be just like, phew, we made it. We made it. Second Timothy 4 verse 8. It says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Matthew 5 verse 10 to 12. It says, Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is not an easy thing. So often when we say, you know what, I'm giving my life to Christ, we're thinking, I'm going into an easy life. No drama, no stress, just comfort. Everything is going to go my way. The mistake was with the last line. Everything is going to go God's way. (laughs) Big, big difference. Because he pulls where he wants. And whether you come or not, you'll become like Jonah. So it doesn't mean he's calling you into just ease and comfort. But he's calling you in an eternal glory. He's calling you for rewards. Philippians 3 verse 4 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
First Corinthians 3 verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one, but each will re- receive his wages according to his labor. Second John 1 verse 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but we will win a full reward. He says a full reward because less than a full reward is possible. That means you can get three quarters or you can get half or a quarter or even less than a quarter. Yo. <laughs> there is a full reward that has been written for you. And how we do that is how we live our life here on earth is how we get that reward. If you think about God, if you think about Jesus while he was here on earth, he said, whatever the Father is doing, I am doing. Whatever the Father is saying, that is what I will say. And that is why now he sits on the right hand of God and everything is under his authority. Because he worked while he was here for the full reward. He didn't live a comfortable life. He didn't have a place to stay. He stayed from place to place. He, he traveled for miles. He spoke to lots of people for hours on time and they didn't want to let him go. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about having people always constantly following you and following you and following you? He had to run away from people because they were always after him. But he knew while he was here and he was going to get that full reward. And he watched himself and he did not lose what he had worked for. And that is my hope and my prayer for us this morning, that we will not lose what we have worked hard for. So often we we hear Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We take on the scripture and we're like, ah, it's finished. Not by works. I'm done. But then we fail to realize that we are justified by faith and we are commended by faithfulness. So this scripture just talks about the justification by faith part. It talks about the fact that Jesus comes and he does his part. But are you going to do yours? And I'm not going to be the one who's, judge, who's going to judge that. God himself will judge that through fire and nothing will be left out. I don't know what you have to do in your own life. I don't know what your purpose is. Sometimes I see some of the things and I tell you, but I don't know everything. That's up to you to wrestle with God and find out from him. We need to realize that we are saved by grace, but we are rewarded for the works and our faithfulness. So what is it that we will be rewarded for? Very quickly. Um, we will be rewarded for how we treat or take care of people. People are the most important commodity here on earth. That's the most important thing God has put here. 
and how we treat those people, how we take care of those people, really says a lot about what our, our, judge, our judgment looks like. Our motives. I was talking about Spo earlier on. His motive was not so everyone could give him plaudits or everyone could think that he's such a great person and he cares. But his motive was, I want to live for the glory of God. And that should be our motive. You know, when we, when we first receive Christ, there's always something that propels us and burns us that we need to go out, we need to speak, we need to do something. And I am convinced that that is not us trying to make everyone look at us. I am convinced that God grabs us with this power to live for, for his glory, to live for eternity. We'll also be rewarded for how we endure when we're suffering. When things are not going according to plan. When people are not saying what we want them to say. When people are not doing what we want them to do. When there's a quote-unquote act of God that leaves you in a place where you are so desperate and in sorrow and in grief. People dying. A natural occurrence, maybe an accident, something that, you know, affects you or affects a loved one. How do you endure that? How do you deal with that? Does your character warp? Do you cave in? Do you say, you know what, this God, it's hard. I don't think if he was good, then he would do this. Or do you hold on to this word that he says he will never put you with something that you you cannot overcome, through something that you cannot overcome? Do you hold on to who you know that he is, that he is a father and he's there with you and whatever pain that you are going through, he has gone through it for you in your place? He's there with you as you're suffering. Will also be rewarded for what you do with what you have. What you do with what you have. God has given us great gifts and He's given us material possessions. Do we take a book of flight to Tashish with those? Or do we book a flight to Nineveh? That is what we'll be judged on. Leading people to Christ. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all these things as I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the end of age. Amen. Are we doing that? Or are we just singing songs and are we... Are we doing that? Are we leading people to Christ? There are rewards for these things. And we will be richly rewarded. We need to remember that we're saved by grace and rewarded for works.
I do want to emphasize this fact that we, we live for Christ's glory, not for rewards. Because I know it can seem like, you know what, there's these rewards, so that's a motivating factor. What do they call it? Positive reinforcement. <laughs> have, you, have you ever been with children? And then one of them tells on another one. And then you commend them for that. And then now for the rest of the time that you're there, they're just looking for people. Or maybe you give them a sweet or something. But then now for the rest of the time that they're there, they're just looking for people to tell on. They're just looking for things to tell you. And their motive is not so that they may get order right, not so that they may administer justice. Their motive is that they may get their glory. Is that they may get whatever little rewards that they want. It's all about them, and it's not about living for God's glory. But you know, the longer we, we here on earth, the longer it is that we, we start to become comfortable. We get trapped in the, in the roots of the earth, so to speak. It kind of imprisons us. The culture. Our success. Or the pursuit of success. People's opinions. I, I can't talk about this Bible scripture at home because we're having a serious family meeting. And I don't want people to think I'm, I'm, I'm being too, too, too Puritan or being too Christian. I don't want people to think I'm Bible bashing them. I don't want people to think. Yet God has said, when you were praying and you were asking him, God, there's this situation at home and there's a family meeting. What is your solution? What is your way forward? He gives you this scripture. And then you try to ration it away, rationalize it away. No, 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 no. Maybe, maybe I can say it in this way. It will sound much better. And take away all these hurtful parts or all these parts that are, that are hard to swallow. You know, I spoke about when we first give our lives to Christ. Um, there's a zeal and there's a passion that we have. And then sometimes we get into this conversationally. You don't have to answer anyone. So in the past month, what has God done through you? And don't get me wrong, I'm not asking what has God done for you. Because that one, we always have stuff. Because that's what we're always thinking about. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. But I'd like us to take stock this morning. Not what has God done for me. What has God done through me? How has he been glorified through me? You know, sometimes we start off, um, we're on fire, 
we want to serve everywhere. People have to tell us, no, 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 stop. Don't, don't, don't do that. Just do, just, just do that. Just stay there. And then time goes on. And then our love goes cold. And then now we have to be motivated even to get up and go to the church. I'm going at extremes. Don't worry. Or sometimes we, 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 we could find ourselves in a, in a position where we've learned one aspect of what God has called us to so well that that becomes our comfort point. That if I now start talking about um, speaking in tongues or if I start speaking about prophesying, you're going to say, no, 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 no. I'm a teacher. This is, this is what I do. I teach. Or I, I play an instrument. Don't, don't call me to all these other things. Because this is what I do. Or we get into this comfort of saying, you know what? My, my life is okay. How can I best get my life right? We call to so much more. Matthew 9 verse 16 to 17. Um, this is when John's disciples come up to Jesus. And they ask him, Heban, you guys, your disciples are never fasting, Jesus. But we always fasting. What's up with that? What's the deal? So they come to him and they're asking him, guy, we, we fast. We do what we're supposed to do. But your disciples are now walking around and chowing everything. And we like, we, 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 we hungry too. This is hard for us to watch. So we need to ask what is going on. And then this was Jesus' answer. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment. And the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins. Or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wineskins. New wine and new wineskins. And both are preserved. What is he saying? He is saying, I am always on the move. That's what he's saying. I laid certain foundations in your lives that were good for that point of your lives. That doesn't mean you need to hold on to them forever. Because now what will happen is if I try to pour something new in you, you will not be able to contain that. You will burst at the seams because it is too heavy for you. He's saying you need to move with me. He's saying you need to grow in me. He's saying you need to come from level to level and you need to not stay in one place. You need not be stagnant because I am moving there was a time where certain people wanted to be Jesus' disciples. And one of them said, you know what? I need to go bury my father. And he said, no. Let the dead bury the dead. And another one wanted to do something else. And he said, no, no, no. This is what we're doing. What is he saying? He's saying, I am continually doing something. And unless you change, unless you are with me, unless you are aware of what I'm doing, unless you, you, you are flexible and you don't hold on to the little truth that I've given to you, 
then you will burst at the seams. Then you will reject whatever new thing I'm trying to put in you. Like that old garment. When you put that new cloth, what does it do? It tears away from it. It runs away from it. That's what will happen if you are just plonked in one place. And God is like saying, you know, like just how the Pharisees were. Jesus came with a new dimension, with a new level, and there was still a ha'aman. We need to stand here, behold you. Wear this thing, do this thing. But Jesus is saying, now, hey, guys, I'm pouring the Holy Spirit over you. Um, go, go, go prophesy. Go, go, go speak to, heal demons. You don't only have to watch me doing it now. You get to do it yourselves. But they just say, ah, ah. Me, I can just pray. I'll pray. Righteous prayer. Don't, don't we do that. We disqualify ourselves from certain things. We say, no, 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 that is not for me. But Jesus is saying, no, we need to grow. We need to do more because there are rewards on heaven. Justified by faith, commended for faithfulness. We can contrast the negative of not going to heaven, which is hell. And we can talk about the positives of going to, to, to heaven, which are rewards. But until we reconcile our hearts to reciprocate God's love and live our lives to glorify him, we miss out on the greatest reward of all. What is that reward? It's being with him for eternity. We, we, we only have rewards because of what Jesus has done here on the earth. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So it was Jesus who came here and he overcame everything. Remember I said one died, then all died. So now one lives and all of us should live. But we have a role to play in that. Do we commit or do we say, I will go to Tashish? Do we live for his reward? Do we live for his glory? Or do we go out looking for our own? Jesus is our exceedingly great reward. And he's the only reason why we have this reward. Without him, we have nothing. And we need to draw near to him. We need to draw near to God. This is what God said to Abraham. He said, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your exceedingly great reward. It's God. He is your exceedingly great reward. And until you get that, until you live for that, all of these things that I'm talking about, will just be like wind now is your chance now is the time while you are here 
to cultivate that relationship with him. Imagine spending an eternity with a stranger. Imagine spending an eternity with someone who you don't know what they want. You wouldn't be able to do that here on earth with a wife or a husband. Why would you think you'd want to do that with God? Get to know him now. Get to understand him now. Get to live for him now. Get to live for your glory, for his glory. Get to bask in his glory as well. Because when we live for his glory, so much glory points back at us. That's just how it works. We don't have to yearn for the glory. We don't have to work for the glory. It just comes to us. It's because of what he is. He is our exceedingly great reward. worship team is going to continue playing <clears throat> I'd like us to just take some time take stock of our own lives where is it that we've compromised where is it that we're only holding on to those little truths and we're no longer going up for more Where is it that we're losing out on our rewards? When we're losing out. Take stock of your own life this morning.
said I was going to ask us for a response when I began the, the service. If you hear, and as I've been talking, you've been realizing, you know what? I won't even make it through the first judgment. That my reality might that be, I will spend an eternity away from God in hell. If that is you, and you want to commit your life to Christ right now, won't you just come to the front? Worship team is going to carry on playing. You can just come. And also, if you if you are listening and you realize that, man, I've become too comfortable. I'm compromising. I've become lazy and not zealous for the things of God. I've started giving to God the things that don't cost me anything. When David said, I will not give to God anything that has cost me nothing. That I will pay great prices and great lengths because he is worth it. And where we have come to a place in our hearts, where we rationalize within our hearts. We say, you know what, God, I'm not going to give this to you. Or I'm not going to do this for you. I'll give you this. I'll do this. You can also come to the front. There'll be leaders here to pray for you and with you. strongholds that bind us and hold us and this is a significant moment a symbolism of you breaking out of whatever's holding you breaking free into the light into christ into his hands break out of your seat right now Don't know how to get out of there. Won't you just 
Start praying for one another. Start praying for the person next to you. Pray that wherever we are stuck, that we can get unstuck. That we can start living for God's glory in our lives. If God is leading you to pray for someone, you can go and go around and start praying for people, start prophesying. If God is laying on your heart something for someone else, and don't hold it in. like these and other resources you can visit our website at endurban.org remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons be blessed